we've been talking about a subject that, and I don't want to be just repetitious unless God is trying to get something over to us. And I really believe he's trying to get something over to us. We're living in what the Bible calls the last days. But as you search the scriptures prophetically, you begin to realize that we're actually not just in the last days. If you want to get technical about it, theologically, the last days began when the Holy Spirit was given from that point forward. And that's why in Paul's generation, there was talk about the last days. And that's why scoffers have come in these days, because it's been a long time since the message of the last days has been preached. And the Bible said that, and this is a sign that we're in the last days, is people that don't believe the last days are here. For in the last days, scoffers shall come, walking after their own lust, saying, where is the sign of his coming? Remember, there's a billboards in Plant City where I lived there a few years ago, not maybe two or three years ago. There was a man who predicted that the... Lord was going to come. The world was going to end as we know it. Christ was going to come for his people. And he put up billboards all over America. And he was so convinced and had so many people convinced. People quit their jobs because Jesus is coming. <laughs> let's, let's go to the beach. Let's go play with the money. <laughs> and let's take some time off because he's going to be here in a couple of weeks. And we're not going to need no job. We're not going to need no mortgage payment. We're not going to need no money. Well, they put up billboards, and they financed him to put up billboards all across the United States. And there was a billboard on the way back from church. I saw it and said, Jesus is coming, gave the date. Well, biblically, the Bible says, Jesus said in the Scripture, No man knoweth the day nor the hour, not even the angels in heaven, and not even me, but my Father alone. Now, that didn't mean that he wasn't God incarnate. It meant that he, he, he's trying to convey to us that this is a time set in the heart and mind of God. And nobody's going to figure it out but God. So that's why the message is, be ye also ready. Don't wait for some date to be set. Be ready. Did you know if your heart stops beating before this service is over? For you, the time has come. We don't have to wait for, you know, the bright light in the sky and Jesus on the, coming to the earth to take his people. The trump, we don't have to wait to hear the trumpet sound. Amen. So the Bible says, be ye also ready for in an hour you think not, not when you try to figure it out. Oh, and this goes so far back. I remember I had a little booklet was given to me when, when I first began to pastor. And that's 40-something years ago. 88 reasons why Christ will come in 1988. I wish I'd saved that little booklet. You may have heard about that. How far do you go back? Are you sure you're the younger sibling? Are you, is, oh, you're the older. Well, then, okay. 88 reasons why Christ will come in 1988. Trinity Broadcasting Network out in California had a loop. They bought into it enough, and, and they were doing the right thing if, if it was the right date. They had a loop telling people what had happened, 
and how to come to Jesus because assuming that everybody in the station was a Christian and they'd all be gone. But that loop would run and invite people to Jesus because everybody's going to go haywire when all of this occurs. But that broadcast would keep coming. Well, 88 come, 88 passed. And uh, most people, what they do when it passes is adjust their math, however they figured it out biblically. And so same thing happened. They adjusted it to, he's not coming to 88, you know. I did something wrong in the math, and it's really 1989, and didn't happen in 89. By the time, no one, by the way, was buying the books about 89 after he didn't come in 88, you know. And then, and, and you can see why the scoffers would come when we're really getting close to the coming of Christ, can't you? Because we're hearing it, and it didn't happen. Oh, I, a war would begin, whether it be World War I, World War II, the, the, the Korean conflict, or Vietnam. A war would begin, and guess what happens? Wars and rumors of wars is a sign. What is the sign of that coming? Jesus said there should be wars and rumors of wars. Well, see, the problem with that is there's always been wars and rumors of wars. Israel was at war with somebody just about all the time because somebody was coming trying to take their land from them. There'll be earthquakes in divers places. History records earthquakes since the beginning of time. There, there will be difficulties among nations, perplexity of nations distress of nations what shall be the sign of thy coming matthew 24 what shall be the sign of thy coming when shall these things be there shall be distress of nations with perplexity that means puzzlement that means the greatest thinkers and and the greatest strategists and the greatest politicians and 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 the greatest think tank people can't figure it out and 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 produce a formula to fix it this is all going to begin to occur. And the Bible speaks of all these things, and yet, and, and in fact, Jesus said, and yet, the end is not yet. But it's significant. All of this is significant to the end times. Because he said, he said, it will be like birth pains. Literally. These things the end is not yet, but this is the beginning of sorrows. And the word sorrows in the Greek is birth pain. And the day of the Lord that's going to come immediately after the catching away of the saints, that time of the great tribulation period. In the Old Testament, it said, I see every man, every man, and this is something unique to women, but the the pressure of birth pangs to a woman will be like the pressure of those times to all humanity, male and female. I see every man, speaking of the day of the Lord, with his hands on his loins as travail upon a woman with child. So Jesus said all of these things begin to happen. These are the beginning of sorrows. And the word sorrows means birth pangs in the Greek. And what happens if someone is pregnant and they start having birth pains? So a lot of times it's not just so preaching is not interrupted. It's so people don't get hurt or, you know, things happen. And uh, we don't want those things to happen. Hallelujah.
Can you see why the scoffers would come in the last days? Why they will say, where is the sign of his coming? The Bible went on to say, for ever since our fathers have slept down through generations, we've heard this thing. And preachers in, in, with good intentions, but not really biblically oriented, when I went into ministry, and we were bad about this, and I'm going to take the heat for Pentecostalism, the emphasis was not on what you know, but how you, the things that you feel when you go to church. We had a lot of glorious services in the presence of God and the power of God, but we didn't learn a lot about the Bible. We were easily fooled. And did you know who is the main supporter of the preachers today that are the false prophets that are profiting from people's ignorance of Scripture? You know who supports them? Mainly? It's, it's Pentecostal people. Nobody in their right mind that knows their Bible is going to pay money for that blessed wallet. That you might have us to go buy a money tree from Lowe's, you know. Would you buy a money tree from Lowe's and pay a hundred bucks for it? No, because you know there's no such thing. But if you get in the Word of God, you're not going to send a hundred bucks to brother so-and-so. Because you know it's not biblical what he's saying and what he's doing and you don't fall for it and that's why so many scoffers have come and that's why Pentecostalism has taken a hit and that's why when I first went into ministry I had to convince people of my biblical literacy first thing not my calling my anointing but that I knew and understood the scriptures and could rightfully divide the word of God went on radio on WSOL and I remember the station manager uh, come to me and telling me, he says, you know, said, I knew your daddy. I've been to your church. I've listened to you here on the radio. I know where you're coming from. And, uh, but a lot of people, they don't. So one pastor that had a radio broadcast on that radio station many, many years ago, he said, who is this guy, Venable, and whose wife did he run off with? In other words, if, if I was independent, part of independent assemblies of God, which I do answer to them, and, and preachers have answered to me as a representative of them, and we've, uh, we have given license to people. My father-in-law was licensed with independent assemblies of God international, and I always like to say in good standing since 1974. That's a good record that we have. And by the way, I am married to the same woman. Just to let you know, that's not why I'm independent. It's not because I couldn't make the grade somewhere because of some something, you know, in my life that would disqualify me. So anyway, but they were, they were, they were, you know, they were questioning. And then I had a good thing happen because her pastor was part of a Pentecostal denomination, a very strict Pentecostal denomination, hard to meet the qualifications for. And he stood up on a Sunday morning, and he said, you know, I don't endorse many televangelists or radio ministers, but he said there is a minister I can endorse because I've been listening to him, and he's sound in his doctrine, and he is an expounder of the Word of God. 
and, uh, and he said, uh, and he's, he's, he's uh, Pastor Venable. I've never met him, but I feel like I know him as a Christian brother. And I took that as a great compliment coming from. So yeah, you get it from both ways. But if you were Pentecostal, you were easily deceived unless you knew your Bible. And if you went by a church that was Pentecostal, you didn't see many people in a Bible study. I had pastor's Bible study all those years ago. We had 8 to 12 people. When the service began, where there was prophecy and tongues and gifts of the Spirit, we had a, over 100 people. But 12, 8 to 12 people. We had people come to be taught the Word of God that literally did not come to our worship service. But they wanted to to not only be in the service where we were teaching the Word of God, they wanted tapes. Had an evangelist come that had a church, a mega church, in that day was 1,500 to 2,000. Now it's 20,000. But back then it was 1,500 to 2,000 in Africa. Established 46 churches out of their church come to minister for us. And he come in and was setting up his tapes and his books and back in an ante room and he said after the service he said i told my wife i said honey we can finish setting up between bible study and the morning worship because i want to hear this and they stopped setting up and sat down as ministers to hear the word of god taught that was a blessing we didn't get taught. I mean, we got blessed. But we didn't get a teaching in the Word of God. And that's why so much stuff can happen if we don't know what the Word of God says. And here's why that's important. Because part of those last day signs in Matthew's Gospel 11, when shall these things be and what shall be the true signs of your coming? It says in verse 11 and verse 12, And many false prophets shall go out into the earth and deceive many and because of that condition because iniquity therefore shall abound then the love of many shall wax cold so preceding the great falling away is going to be deception religious deception because that day not speaking of jesus coming but of the tribulation period and the antichrist that day shall not come unless there come a falling away first and what precedes the falling away many false prophets shall arise and deceive many and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold one prominent pastor of a mega church right now is in trouble i'm not telling something that's not going to hit the you know, all the bad news is going to come out. But he's having a problem with his church because of a, you know, $2 million house while he goes and gambles a lot of money away with an associate minister on his board in Vegas. While teaching to trust God, he's trusting in the roll of the dice and the spin of the wheel. And you can't be double-minded like that and maintain the integrity that we need to have an influence in this generation. Everybody say the integrity that we need 
to have an influence. And not just the personal moral integrity, but the biblical knowledge and understanding that we can rightfully divide the Word of God and people can open their Bible and read it for themselves. Can you say man? And not just say that person is so anointed, that person is so spiritual, the way they say it is, that's how it is. That's not good leadership. Good leadership is to hook you up with God, number one. And number two, to get you in His Word so that you can say what He said and understand it and rightfully divide it. Because there's people that twist the Scripture to say something and say, look here, it's right there in your Bible. But it's not balanced teaching or preaching. You understand there has to come a great falling away. People have tried to figure out the coming date of the coming of the Lord, and they've tried to figure out who the Antichrist was. When World War I started, they thought it was Kaiser Wilhelm. They thought it was Hitler in World War II. Some people think it's Trump now. I mean, honestly, it gets crazy out there. There's all kinds of views. But the Bible said that no one's going to know it until we get down to the last of the last day. Then that son of perdition, he's going to come on the scene. He's going to be made manifest. And all of the predictions have failed, didn't hold any water. Amen. Until he that letteth is taken out of the way. There's something holding back what Satan wants to do. There's something holding back the tribulation right now for occurring very soon. Two events. Number one, amen, the coming of Jesus Christ has not occurred yet. And the tribulation from the fourth chapter forward, it is the outpouring of the wrath of God. And that word is not just God is angry and he's going he's gonna to bust a few heads. It's not that. It's justifiable anger. A righteous and holy God cannot let sin go unpunished. Do you hear me? I said a righteous and holy God cannot let. He cannot, in the name of love, let sin go unpunished. But He loved fallen man so much that He punished our sin in Jesus Christ. That if we would accept Him, a price was paid that we would not be recipients of His justifiable anger, but recipients of His grace and His mercy because of His great love wherewith He loved us. Aren't you glad to be part of that family of people that the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 4, you are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. You know what it says in the book of Revelation? I'm covering a lot of ground, getting ready to do a teaching from the book of Revelation, but getting us primed for it. Hallelujah. It's so important to understand what is occurring. Hallelujah. Listen, in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, we begin to read of the beginning of the outpouring of the wrath of God. And it says, I saw the great man the small man, the rich man, the poor man, all humanity. There's no one in any, any cultural place or any financial position or any political position. Kings and paupers, everyone will come under this. Small and great, 
they went to the rocks and the mountains. And this is a terror that is beyond imagination. To cry unto a mountainside, to crumble and fall on you, kill you, but cover you. From what? From the face of him who sits on the throne. Oh, when Jesus comes back, I want to stop here a minute and go back to the beginning of the book of Revelation. And we're not doing the Bible study part for time's sake because we need more time. How many want to spend more time? And get this. When John saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, he didn't see Jesus that they saw on the donkey when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. They didn't see the Jesus that is a lamb dumb before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. They didn't see, John did not see the Jesus that he allowed them to put nails in his hands and feet and allowed them to beat him almost to death before even that occurred. That's not the Jesus that is returning. John said, I heard, I used to minister this, and, 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 and the title of the message was seeing Jesus as you've never seen him before. Because the Jesus that's coming back is King of Kings. And He is Lord of Lords. And He's not coming back to pay a sin debt as a lamb. He's coming back as the conquering King. Hallelujah. Amen. And John said, I heard a voice behind me. It sounded like Niagara Falls. It sounded like many waters of force flowing that was mighty shaking and I turned to see who this voice and where it was coming from and his hair was as wool all judgment has been committed to the sun can you say man his eyes were as a flame of fire everybody say x-ray vision that's not what it's about that's what Superman had and I'm going to go to the old guy back here do you remember the early Superman? Black and white? A few of them, yeah. I didn't think you were that old. Who remembers the black and white Superman days? You do. You do. You do. I do. But here's the deal. Superman, he has x-ray vision, of course. He can see through a, through a you know, lid and everything else and see through walls. Couldn't see through lid. I'm sorry, uh, Superman. I just wasn't paying that much attention. But this is what got my attention. And that is when, when a guy had a 38 on him, guy had a 38 on him, and I'm a kid, you know, and I'm watching TV, and I'm going to go play Superman. I've got one of my mom's old towels wrapped around my neck. As soon as that broadcast is over, I'm going to, I'm going to be flying out the door and flying around the property, you know. But the guy had a 38 on Superman, and Superman comes in and stands like this. And he fires six shots out of a 38, and it didn't penetrate Superman's big old chest with the big red S on it. And the guy click, click, click is out of bullets. Superman's standing there, and he, he's so frustrated that he can't kill him. He takes the 38 and throws it at him, and Superman dunks. And I thought, wait a minute, he shot you six times with a 38 and it didn't hurt you, but he throws the pistol at you and you duck? 
I'm going to take this towel off. <laughs> he done fractured, fractured my, my, my looking up to Superman. I told you about Muhammad Ali on a plane to, and by the way, there are no spiritual supermen. Just because someone has a mega ministry doesn't mean that he's not flesh and blood. We talked about the treasure in earth and vessels last week. Pray for ministers in leadership because the devil really magnifies it when they fall. Can you say amen? He wants, to, he wants to undermine the authority of the ministry, the integrity of the ministry, the force of the Word of God from pulpits. He wants to undermine it. Did you know where ministers stand right now? In the culture, according to many of the polls, we're right up there. With, and listen, if you sell used cars and you do it with integrity, that's great. But you're an exception. <laughs> You're not the rule. My father-in-law is a great minister of the gospel, but he sold cars. He had to quit two dealerships because he wouldn't do the underhanded stuff they wanted him to do. Ministers, particularly televangelists, are right there with used car sales. So whatever they're saying over the air, other than the people they're influencing that are already saved and sending them offerings, the integrity of that ministry has been so undermined. And there's so much people looking at them suspiciously, wondering what their motive is. And the bigger our budgets get, the harder we have to push for an offering to meet the budget. And when we start doing that, they immediately categorize us as just people who are wanting money for the sake of money. And if we live in an opulence, and the Bible actually said they that labor among you in the gospel should be given double honor. And it's not how you respect them. It is the Greek word honorarium. They should be blessed. They shouldn't have to do without. Our pastor was doing without. We shared our groceries with him so they could have groceries on their table as a brand new Christian because the older Christians wouldn't give enough to make sure they had food on their table. And I was happy to do it. It made us feel so good. We'd go while they were gone because we didn't want to humiliate them. While they were gone somewhere, we'd go and share our groceries and sit on their step. And we barely had enough. But God blessed us, didn't he, honey? He kept blessing us. And they would come back next Sunday and say, you know, we were down to this and we were down to that. We found two bags of groceries sitting on our step. Isn't God good? And we'd sit there sit there and say, well, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, he is. He's good to us. He's let us bless our pastors. Hallelujah. What a joy it was to give and to see them blessed. All of this is marking the end time. Many false prophets shall go out into the earth and they shall deceive many. And because iniquity will abound. This is not just the sins that are committed. This means that people are not being changed. There's a mega church right now that boasts in the fact. I never, never, he says, 30,000 people will attend on Sunday morning. Hundreds, several hundred thousand watching through the media. I never talk about sin. No wonder iniquity 
is going to bow. Because Jesus died to forgive our what? Our sins. This is the New Testament in my blood that's shed for the sins of men. If we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. But, oh, I love this. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Oh, I don't know how repentance got such a negative spin put on it. Because repentance allows for restoration. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I will restore unto you, he said, the years in the book of Joel to his covenant people. I will restore unto you the years that the caterpillar, the canker worm, and the locust have eaten, because I will send you the former and the latter rain in one season. Your crops are going to be watered with a steady rain. Not a gully washer that takes the topsoil away, but a steady rain that makes them produce double. And that's what he meant when he said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. What is the windows of heaven? Does heaven have real windows and God's got a pot of gold to pour doubloons on us? No. Heaven's windows are the skies. He says to an agriculturally driven economy, I'm going to bless you with bumper crops. And I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Not I'm going to bless you, I'm going to secure the blessing by rebuking that that wants to destroy the blessing. And what was it in that day? It was the locust that started with the little and began, grew to the maturity until they would come with such droves in that day that they literally would blot out the light of the sun just like clouds do. And they would eat a crop to the very ground. And he said, when my blessing comes, I'm going to restore the years that your own disobedience has allowed the curse to come. And I'm going to rebuke that that threatens it. <laughs> For the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, not just the stuff, but His favor. Come on, the blessing itself. How many would rather have, if you had the choice, of God to give you a full meal barrel in famine or a meal bearer that was almost empty that you couldn't ever empty. How I many know a full meal bearer can be emptied? But a, but a one with a little bit in it that every time you take out, God puts in? And it's always fresh and it don't have bull weevils. You remember? You remember when I was dating you? I know it's been a long time. But I went home to her house after, after school. And she was cooking chili for us all. Chili? Yes, it was chili. And you know, it had the hamburger in it, and it was smelling good. Her mom worked, and her dad come home, and she's cooking for her siblings and her dad, and of course me, because I took her bus home. I drove the other day near the area where I used to walk home from just to go home with her. It's a long way. It's right down the road here from Valrico where she and her parents live. I came from Brandon High School, rode her bus home to spend time with her, stayed there until her daddy looked at me funny. Can you say, man? <laughs> and, and then I hitchhiked and walked all the way 
back, no, all the way to Mango, and then down Mango, to Sefner Mango, and then down Mango Road to 579 in US 92. There was no interstate. Where Hardy's is right now in US 92. That must be seven or eight miles. And I walked it, and I didn't care. I was 15. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I did. I lived right at the corner where the Hardy's is. That's where I grew up till they tore it down and built a restaurant. And I didn't even think anything of it. Now, why did you say all of that? I said that to say this. In these last of the last days, oh, the chili. Let's finish the chili. I know you're wondering about the chili. There's chili powder had bugs in it, little brown bugs. And Pamela shook it in the chili, and those little bugs were just, they were there. She told her daddy, they cooked up good with the chili. More protein, right? More. Everybody say more protein. Okay. The bugs are in the chili. Her dad sees the bugs. Said, you know, there's bugs in this. Must have been she checked, I think, the chili powder, and yeah, there was bugs in the chili powder. I want to tell you something. When you're when you're really hungry, and there's nothing else to eat, and not enough money to go to McDonald's or Mickey D's or wherever you call it, can you say, man? You forget them bugs. Her dad said, they ain't gonna hurt us now. Amen, <laughs> or something to that. And we ate the chili. And it reminded me of how gullible people can be sometimes. This, this, this was uh, a, a, from, the, from the Middle East comes the story that they told over and over and over to make an illustration. A man gets into a city when the city is shut down. Night has come. All the shops are closed. He has money to buy something to eat, but there's nowhere to buy it. But there was one man had a little fire going. He walked up and he was selling figs. And he bought himself a bowl of figs for his supper. Went into a little room he had procured, lit a candle, and he got ready to eat his bowl of figs. And he saw the figs were full of worms. But he was hungry. So he blew out the candle and ate the whole bowl. You know something? The Word of God, David said, it's a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my pathway. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The path of the just, if we apply the Word of God, is like a shining light that gets brighter and brighter. It's like the sun coming up in the morning. At first, it's not all that bright. But once it begins to get bright, it's not going to stop anywhere along the way until it's, the sun is at its full strength. If we get in the Word, the Word gets in us, and we follow the teachings of Christ and of the Scripture, it is a shining light. Don't blow out the candle and swallow everything. Amen. Get, get oh, friend of mine. 
Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get in you. It will keep you in this day of deception. Can you say, man? It'll keep you from being deceived. When you first get saved, you desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might grow, not stay on the milk. said something a couple of weeks ago, milk-fed Christians that never graduate to meet are not prepared for what is going to occur and is occurring in the last days. They will be easily deceived, easily defeated, because they're not mature enough to discern good from evil. You say, that ought to be a given. A given? Yeah, the devil, he, he wears a red jumpsuit. He has horns and he carries a pitchfork. No, he doesn't. It says, and no marvel if Satan be transformed as an angel of light. You mean he can portray himself and his ministers? His ministers as ministers of righteousness. You know what his name was before he fell? When he was an archangel in heaven, that anointed cherub that ministered in the coals of the altar in the very presence of God, it was Lucifer. And Lucifer wasn't negative then. It was a positive name before the fall. However, I've never heard anybody name their children Lucifer. Maybe they're pit bull. Can you say amen? You know what Lucifer meant? light bearer everybody say light bearer he was in the presence of the glory the shekinah glory of god he doesn't have to put on he knows how to present himself as what he once was instead of what he truly is and if an angel comes the bible said you've got to be so biblically literate and spiritually mature even if an angel of light appears and no marvel if Satan present himself as that angel. And he speaks anything other to what we have given you under the unction and anointing and appointing of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. If he says something different, let that angel be anathema. It's the Greek word, the strongest possible word for the wrath and displeasure of God and the judgment of God. We don't even check out preachers with the Bible. How are we going to deal with an angel appears? We're not ready for that. The guys that are deceiving so many, bringing a reproach on the gospel today, they couldn't do it without people supporting them. A lady came to our church, got all enamored with the riches of a pastor and went with him as part of his entourage. And, and she had seen the miracles of God but got caught up in the riches and the fame of being close to a celebrity. And it broke our heart to see Jesus pushed aside and the worship of a celebrity preacher replacing the worship of God and the material taking precedence over the spiritual. We've got people today. We had a guy come to our church. Boy, he got blessed when he came. He was our superintendent of Sunday school for several years. He said, I, I had three things I wanted to achieve. I wanted to go to, and he named the most prestigious church 
in Tampa at the time. He said, I wanted a house in a particular community. He said, I achieved that. I became a member of that church. I got that house. And I wanted a brand new, and it, in his case, it was a Mercury Cougar. This is a long time ago, a long time ago, when that was a luxury car. Not the little cheap one like I got one time. This is the big, long tank of a car. And he said, I got the car. I became part of that prestigious church, and I moved into that wonderful house. But his soul was withering because it was all the practice of religion and not a relationship with Jesus. And he wasn't being exposed to the power and presence of God. And he said, but he said, my son had a tape, and I heard a tape, and I said, where is that church? And he came to Suffering Springs. Sulphur Springs. We used to tell people where the church was because the X-rated theater was still in business. And, and so we would say, you know where the X-rated theater? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know where the X-rated theater is right there across the Hillsborough River? We're two blocks from there, a block and a half from the X-rated theater. We had a security guard for a parking lot. To, and the Tampa Drug Track is right here. Yeah, yeah. You know where the drug dealers are dealing? Yeah, that's where we are. My uncle called from Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and said, I saw your church on cops. I said, you did? He said, isn't it called the Holy Church of God? He said they were showing a neighborhood that was full of, of drug houses, crack houses, and I saw a church said the Holy Church of God as they cruised that neighborhood. I said, that's us. We're famous. I saw a drug deal going down. I was in my office, looked out the window. I saw a drug deal going down just, just at the corner of our parking lot, and I saw a prostitute on the other corner soliciting. I called the Tampa Police Department. I said, could you, you know, ask these people to move on? Nobody really wants to come to our neighborhood and go to our church because they're afraid of the neighborhood. And, then, and he said, where, where are you? I said, we're at 10th and Sitka in Silver Springs. He said, and there's a, and this guy was a real sarcastic guy. He says, and you say there's prostitution and drug deals? No. And the reason the community was going downhill is because they had given up on the community. All they wanted to do in Silver Springs is contain it to that area. So it didn't get over into Temple Terrace or Tampa, or, or Tampa Heights. They wanted to keep it there. But that's where God assigned us to come and preach the gospel. People would hear a tape. He heard a tape and come, and then he saw where it was. And <laughs> he didn't want to come. But his soul was so hungry that he wanted the Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit more than he wanted the prestige and he got out of that image thing and wanted some spiritual substance. You see, you've got to get hungry for substance. If you just want programs, the church is so, so, church world today is lacking so much substance. What's, and even the cross of Christ is not what draws people. It's the presentation. It's so many things. Man came to our house to lay tile for us in our kitchen and he said, he said, we have 1,000, five, 
100 events scheduled for this year. 1,500 events on their calendar. There's something for somebody all the time occurring to try to get people. But that same pastor that's building it on all the programs and the entertainment is lamenting. He said 5,000 people attend our church, but less than 10% give because they're not coming to give or follow Christ. They're coming to get. It's a consumer-driven business. It's no longer a devotion to Jesus that is so strong you can say, deny yourself, take up your cross in order to follow Him. And people step up and say, I'm willing to express that kind of devotion. And that's why the falling away is occurring. Because, and by the way, if you think they're going to hang with you when they won't even hang with Jesus, you're going to get a rude awakening. They'll quit you because there's no devotion in their heart to anyone or anything but themselves. Last day sign, men will be lovers of their own selves. And because of self-love, what's going to happen? They're going to go where they can get something for themselves, not where they can contribute anything of their substance. And I'm not talking about just finances or material things. I'm talking about yielding your life to follow Jesus in full surrender. If you don't have that kind of devotion, you will be part of the falling away. Because iniquity is everywhere. The love of many will wax cold, and that waxing cold of love is called the great falling away. That day shall not come except there come a falling away. It was the Greek word for divorce. There was a committed relationship, not just a legal thing. There was a committed relationship born out of love and sustained by love. But I'm going to break that when my love grows cold for her, I will see every fault she has, and I will magnify it. I will justify leaving her. I was at a Jesus rally in 1985 with my son, who's now with the Lord. We slept in a tent on the ground to be in Orlando, an outdoor service. There was a speaker there that I appreciated his message, but he was, he was right down to earth. I don't know if you can handle the way he put it. He said a preacher friend of his left his wife of 35 years and ran off with the church secretary and uh, he contacted him personally and said what are you doing you know biblically you're you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing your wife stood with you when you were nobody when you were when you were nothing when you had no church or anything and you were poor and she stood by you and now you're leaving her for this lady that's half your age? And he, he said, he looked at me and said, but she fulfills me. She fulfills me. She fulfills me. And he said, I looked back at him and said, El Toro Pupu. That's what he said. I'm just telling you what he said. And it is. No. You know what it is? When you fall out of love with Jesus and you fall in love with yourself again. Because in order to follow Jesus, you've got to fall out of love with you. 
And, oh, before you commit to follow Christ, you are in love with you. So the prerequisite for following Jesus is not joining that church or joining that club or sending that money in. The prerequisite for following Jesus is self-denial. The old self. Well, that's going to take something from me. No, that's going to give you something better than self-love. It's better to give than to receive. But if you're in love with yourself, you'll never get that. If anyone would be my disciple, someone said it, it's harder to stay in good standing as a Boy Scout than it is to claim to follow Christ. Because you miss three meetings, you're out. And I'm not talking about missing church. I'm talking about not showing any devotion to Jesus, but claiming to be His follower. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. It means to give up all right to self. Number one, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Because if you're not willing to deny yourself and take up your cross, you will never follow him. Because in the garden, he denied himself. And said what? Not my will, but thine be done. If there's another way, then what I'm going to face. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not what I will. And listen, listen to what Peter says. He that suffered in the flesh. It said, for as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourself with the same mind. Convictions here right now. I, oh, you don't have to applaud this. You don't have to amen this. Just hear it out. Amen. Listen to me. For as much as Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself. Arm yourself against what? Self-love the falling away, the deception that is here. People looking at this one and that one say, well, I'm as good as her, I'm as good as him. No, it's not about her, it's not about him, it's about him. Can you say, man, we're supposed to be following Jesus, not the status quo of a backslidden church world. Can you say, man, in a backsliding church world and backslidden preachers in pulpits, we're supposed to be following Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? When people talk about what's wrong in the clergy, I can't defend it when it's wrong. What's wrong in the church, I can't defend that when it's wrong. But what do I do? I say, but it's not about Him. And it's not about them. It's about Him that has the nail scars, that paid the price for your sin. Forget about Him and them and follow Him and you'll be okay. You can't use that excuse. They didn't die for you. That preacher didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. And He de deserves your devotion. And it takes that kind of devotion. And when that devotion is lost, the first love, and I used to preach for years on rekindling the first love, doing your first works, repenting, rekindling. But now, to my own broken heartedness 
there's a lot of people, Brother Taylor, that have never had it kindled to begin with. They just joined the church, got baptized in water, got their free ticket to heaven, and never committed their heart to Him. You can't rekindle what was never there in the first place. You can't fan into flame a fire that has never burned yet. So he didn't say go and build churches and dynasties to your ministry. He said go and make disciples unto me out of all nations. And he challenged everyone that claimed discipleship this way. And why callest thou me, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And not have a heart that desires to obey. No one can get it perfectly right, but we ought to want to. I love what a coach, Vince Lombardi, said to his team year after year after year to motivate them. He said, perfection is unobtainable. No one can be perfect. Jordan couldn't hit every basket all the time. And even Jordan said, you miss every shot you don't take. But he tried. He tried every time. Listen to me. No one can be perfect because it's unobtainable. But if you chase perfection, you can catch excellence. Hallelujah. I said if you chase, if you want to be all that God has called you to be, you're going to be an excellent example of what a Christian should be. And you won't be perfect. But you'll be a... Do you understand what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be something if people sold out? How many people do you know that claim Christ and they don't follow Him? They don't spend time in His Word? They're going to sit in the back of a church somewhere this morning and get their little religious fix to keep their foot in the door in case they need a miracle. When they need a miracle, they're not going to have any faith of their own or relationship of their own. They're going to call you or me. Right? They're going to call somebody they know is walking with God. Because they're not. Or they wouldn't even have to call you. They could call Him. They could just call you to agree with them in prayer. They're not calling for you to agree with them in prayer. They're calling you to do the praying. The falling away is here. They haven't read their Bible. They went to Disney World. They went to the beach. They hit church when it's convenient. Eight people in Bible study. Twelve maxed out. 150 in the morning service. Waiting for the healing line, the blessing line. Wanting an interpretation to come in tongues for themselves. And you get a people that never graduate from milk to meat. And here's why the deception is so easy. Strong meat belongeth to those that are of full age that have grown up. And how do you start growing? By desiring the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow. But Paul said to churches that he went to, I couldn't feed you with meat. You were too immature to bear it. So I gave you milk I speak this to your shame. 
If my son was 32 again, my youngest son is 45, my oldest son was just about to turn 54. He was 53 in October when he went to be with the Lord. If he was 32 years old and still sucking on a bottle, I would be embarrassed. We did something wrong. My youngest son loved his bottle. And if he didn't have the bottle, he wanted the pacifier. He wanted something to suck on all the time. If he didn't get it, he threw a fit. He drank all that was in his bottle and started one of his fits in the back seat. We were on Highway 92. I'll never forget it. It was Alan. It was my oldest son. He started one of his fits. And I remember reaching back with one hand on the wheel just long enough I took it off of everything to grab the bottle and yanked it out of his mouth because he's sucking air and fussing. <laughs> and I thought, you're too old for this bottle. It's time to wean your hide right here, right now. And I grabbed that bottle out of his mouth, and it didn't hurt him in his physical being, you know. It, it hurt him not having his bottle. And I took the bottle, and I I littered. I, Lord, forgive me. I littered. Can you say, man? I took the bottle and I threw it out the window and I said, it's gone, gone. Bottle is gone, gone. And you know what will get a pastor that's been hired, fired? When he gets up behind the pulpit on Sunday morning and says, it's gone, gone. It's gone, gone. You're not going to get what you want today. You're going to get what God wants to give you. You got teeth. You don't need milk in a flavor straw. You don't know what a flavor straw is. A flavor straw is a straw with a little, look like a shoelace down in it of, of fiber stuff, and it's chocolate and strawberry flavored, and you suck your milk through the straw, and as it comes up the straw, it gives you strawberry or chocolate. Give me a 3D comic and a flavor straw, and I'm on top of the world. I didn't need video games. I was in my world. Listen to me. Let me tell you what is happening right now. Strong meat. The graduation has to come. Paul said, I speak this to your shame. How do you know they've never graduated? Because they can't be an influence for Christ. Nowhere they go. Spouting all this scripture and never being an influence for Jesus. When you should be out teaching others. When you should be through your life and testimony able to teach somebody else it's not being a theologian but just being a faithful witness you still have need that someone teach you what are the first principles of the oracles of god you haven't even got the foundations right i couldn't give you meat because you couldn't bear it but i'm embarrassed by that you say you're ill prepared because strong meat belongs to those who are of full age. They have matured spiritually. Who are able to discern good from evil. And before you discern the false prophet in the pulpit or what's right or wrong in the culture, you begin to discern what's right and wrong in yourself. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. That's an introspect. When you do what you do to be seen of people and applauded, that's pride in ourselves. 
when you want to speak in tongues so you can join the tongue-talking club and be part of the elite in Christendom. That's pride in oneself. And when Satan is manifest as an angel of light and you haven't graduated from milk, you can't discern good from evil because you assume it's God speaking to you through that entity. And it isn't. And I've watched people come into church saying, he told me this and he showed me that, and they're so sure of themselves that I flag them. Because eventually they shipwreck because they are unteachable when they walk in the door. They know it all before they get here. And how can you teach anybody that knows it all? If Sheldon Cooper was in your math class, you don't know who he is. You don't watch TV. Super sanctified saints. Okay. Listen. If, a, if, a, if someone who was in college in the sixth grade doing the high math came into your classroom, do you think they'd be paying attention if they knew it all before they got there and they were on the genius level? Do you think... Um, a prodigy, a child prodigy with an IQ that, you know, higher than Trump's? I'm just seeing if you were listening. No, when geniuses come in, teachers can't teach. Because the genius is here. They know it all. And in Pentecost, there are too many that consider themselves above the need to be taught. And they come in with an aura. It's hard to find a preacher. You can find prophets, prophetesses, apostles. Amen? It's hard to find a humble servant of Christ or follower. In the early church, thou hast tried them that what said they were apostles and are not and found them to be liars. How'd they figure that out? They watched them and they listened to them and they found out they were self-promoting, looking for a title rather than looking for a place to serve God and a people to serve for the Christ-like spirit. You tested them. You didn't take anyone's word for it. They got prophet so-and-so six months ago in Tampa worked for one of the big department stores was diverting stuff supposed to go to the department store to a warehouse where he was stealing it and selling it. But he had a prophet title in front of his name. You can put any kind of title you want in front of your name. That don't make you what that is. I'm part of All Pro Pastors, an organization that's international and Sometimes I get to minister to pastors in Pakistan that are under the gun. If you're not real there, you don't want to be no pastor because they're killing them, imprisoning them, killing their families. The Taliban wants them all dead. So if you're a pastor there, you're not presenting yourself as a big shot, but someone in desperate need of intercession and encouragement. And it's my privilege to talk to some real deal preachers from time to time. And I love it. I, I was with a <laughs> I was with a man at a luncheon. We all sat at the tables. There was about sixty pastors at that luncheon. 
He had a big Bible. And I don't judge you if you've got a big Bible. He had a big gold cross. It's fine. I like a gold cross. I looked at one the other day and thought, well, that would look good right here. Didn't have, I mean, honestly, it, was a, it wasn't one of those big ones like, you know, the rap guys. You know, it wasn't bling bling for the preacher. But he had the big go. I mean, he had all the paraphernalia, and he introduced himself as prophet so-and-so. And he couldn't get along with his pastor, so he pastored his own little group that followed him to his house church. It's in Polk County in Lakeland. He and his wife had problems. He shot her to death in their living room. Then he went to the church in North Lakeland. He shot the, listen, he shot the pastor. He shot the associate pastor. One of them died, the other survived, but later, later succumbed to his injuries. He sat at tables with the rest of us. He had a Bible like the rest of us. But he had a bad attitude toward authority. And when you start accepting things on face value, you know what will make me disrespect you? If you buy into something like that without checking it out. And then introduce them to me as somebody great. Some problematic people have come to our church highly endorsed by other people. And you know what? I not only flagged the person that came in, I flagged the person that endorsed them. Because if you're claiming to be a mature one and you can't figure that out, you need to grow up. And why is the deception? so great and the falling away so strong because people have not graduated from milk to meat. They can't discern good and evil, particularly when evil presents itself as good. And his ministers, the whole Mormon movement began when an angel of light appeared to a man and gave him another revelation. An angel of light appeared. And the man accepted it as God speaking. Never been a day quite like this day. And the deception is so strong. Missionary came from a country where you put your life on the line every day to follow Jesus. So only the dedicated and devoted people are in church on Sunday. He went to church here. And a lady said the same thing that came from Russia when they were so highly persecuted in Russia. She said, they asked her after the service, how did it feel to worship without fear for the first time in such freedom? She said, I missed the devotion, the sincerity, and the pure worship that we had in that little, little secret meeting place where we met. Because everyone there was totally devoted to Jesus. So the missionary came here. And from somewhere in Africa. Where there's a lot of persecution. Boko Haram and the other groups. And he said the church in America. While being so popular is like a river. A thousand miles Long 
500 miles wide. It looks like a big, mighty river, but it's only an inch deep. It's only an inch deep because you measure commitment to Christ by devotion, not by how many people are sitting in a building on any given time. And not just devotion to the preacher to come to the building, but the devotion to follow the Christ that we say we love. And it starts with denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following. 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 Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, And be ye followers of God as dear children. And how do you do it? And walk in love, even as He walked. Self-sacrificing love finds fulfillment in self-denial. We've got two weak amens and a bunch of people dead silent. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'll quit soon if you'll amen louder. Here it comes. Here it comes. It, I, knew it, I knew the amener hadn't already tore up. Hallelujah. 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 I said when you deny yourself and you self-sacrifice for the sake of that one that you love, there's a greater fulfillment in the self-sacrifice. You don't miss what you gave up. You don't miss it at all. not in love with yourself anymore. You're in love with Him. And what you do for Him is not done begrudgingly. It's a joy to follow Him. A joy to serve Him. Jesus, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross while despising the shame. What a wonderful God that we serve. What a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just praise You. We honor you. We glorify you today. If we don't get back in the Church of Jesus Christ in America, adept of devotion, we won't have disciples unto Jesus. We'll have disciples unto our ministry, whatever our vision is to build, quote-unquote, for Christ. I think the Christian cathedral that finally fell was a good example of this is all for Jesus. A $1.5 million, $1 million pipe organ in a church in Fort Lauderdale. I used to go to Jay Burns Pizza. Anybody relate with me? Jay Burns. Wasn't it great? The bubbles, the pipe organ, and the old Laurel and Hardy silent movie while you're eating pizza. Oh, man. I, when I found out that wasn't sin that I could actually go there and enjoy the bubbles, the pipe organ, and not drink a pitcher of beer, just eat my pizza up in the balcony. Can you say, man, I, I, I didn't know if I could actually go in there, but Evangelist comes and said, let's go to Jay Burns. And I thought, man, if he's going, I'm going. Hallelujah. What is Jay Burns? They had a pipe organ that played every 15 minutes, and bubbles came out from somewhere, and kids burst the bubbles, and they, for the rest of us oldies, they had Laurel, silent or Laurel and Hardy's playing. Wow, it was fun. And the pizza was superb. Pipe organ for 
cost a million point five for the glory of God. A God that says, Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you'll build for me? Can I tell you where the house is? We need a place to worship. We need a building. We need buildings and stuff. But God is not impressed with it all. You know what He's looking for? Your body. My body. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The cross has made you inside so clean that God the Father, God the Son, through God the Holy Spirit can come and indwell you and feel at home and not feel out of His element. Oh, somebody should have said, wow. Say it backwards. Wow. That's better than an amen. What manner of love is this that I might be loved to that degree and cleansed to that degree that God, what? Know ye not that your body is the what? Your body. The building is where the temple comes to worship on Sunday. Keep it holy. God lives there. You don't, you don't just live in there by yourself. Someone lives in there with you. And you know what? The fact that Christ can live in you is the assurance that you can live in the heavenly city with Him forever. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you're clean enough for Jesus to live in you, you can live in the city. Because the only thing that makes it holy is the triune God of that city. Can you say, man, streets of gold don't make it holy. Diamonds and pearls don't make it holy. But that light that shines from the throne of God, that's what makes it holy. Can you say, man? How many want to grow on the milk but graduate to the meat? Wave it. So if one Sunday I throw away the pacifier, you know what my son did? I was proud of him. He never asked for another bottle. He was officially weaned. Why? Because the bottle was gone. He saw it go. <laughs> you, you say, but Dr. Spock, he probably traumatized him. He'll probably go out and become a, some kind of crazy person. No, he just started growing up instead of staying a baby. Amen? You still love me this morning. I heard the biggest amen right here. I'm going to talk to you. You still love me this morning. Hallelujah. Whatever you do, pick up that book called the Bible. If you can get in a Bible study, get in it. Get in it. And get the Word of God in you. And never look at someone on a platform, on television, or in any church and put them on such a pedestal that they're above checking out with the Word of God. We don't have popes, vicars of Christ. We have preachers of the Gospel. And they must begin by having a servant heart. Can you say amen?